I gotta position my people to be in the right spot. So All right. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman Podcast, where I have going conversations with fabulous people so that you can learn from them, be inspired by them, and connect. And today, um, you're going to be able to listen in on a going conversation that I had with Sam DeReger, and Sam is an entrepreneur who recently started a, a coffee and tea shop. He uh, he is also the director for a state agency. He he worked at a high level for Sonic. Uh, he and I talk about branding. We talk about technology. We talk about some of our favorite apps. And so, here we go. Let's dive in. Yeah. So I'm sitting here with my uh, my fast friend, meaning like we haven't known each other very long, but I feel like we've become fast friends. Uh, Sam, would you mind just kind of giving my audience your 120-second uh, story, if you don't mind? That's a difficult thing to do, but I can <laughs> I can absolutely try. Yes. So my 120-second story is I spent the last 15 years really in technology. From a skill set standpoint, I taught myself how to code in grad school when I was at OU getting my MBA, it was cathartic. I can't explain it why I would do that at two in the morning till you know, four in the morning, but that's what I was doing during that time. And so <clears throat> my career has been in startups. It's been in um, omni-channel experiences, mobile apps for nonprofits, for corporations. I worked at Sonic leading the digital team. And, uh, and then also another highlight going back in the day uh, was I was the project lead at Uversion, the Bible app uh, out of Edmond here in uh, Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know any of that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he said you did research. <laughs> no, I, I guess I didn't know the part about the Uversion. I knew you worked for Live Church, but I didn't know in what role. Yeah. And so uh, in Uversion is super cool. I was just recently on looking uh, at Google because do you know Mike Hearn? Yeah, I know that name. Why do Mike I know that Hearn name? Is, when you came to the... Uh, <clears throat> oh, he was the other podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so he had just recently interviewed Bobby. Yeah. And so I was researching uh, Bobby, just looking at him a little bit more in depth and stuff like that. But uh, version is a pretty fascinating... Yeah, just past 400 million downloads. And, you know, we were... The team that we had, it was Bobby and Terry Storch. It was uh, Kevin Morey, Josh Trammell... It was Zachary Foster, who was kind of my partner in crime and sometimes my nemesis as well, and uh, a guy named Sam Sophus. And we were just in a closet, you know, and when second you first floor started of Life Church. Like, this is the first team that was building any of this stuff. Yeah. And uh, we we're in this closet that uh, it was a fascinating story. And, and ultimately, Bobby's out running down contracts for um, getting digitizing Bibles. And then Terry was really running our team and I was working with Zach to kind of put the implement all of the things we were trying to build. So mm -hmm. we built five applications that year. We built Uversion, uh, Uversion Mobile, uh, Church Online, churchmetrics.com, uh, and then ultimately babblewith.me and Open. So there were six. 
And all of those, babblewith.me is the only one that's dead. All the other ones are running. And, uh, and still, I mean, they've, of course, made them way better. And there's yeah. probably zero code <laughs> that we actually wrote still yeah, in it. You would, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, we, we kicked it off and, and we were the first team in that world doing it. We passed our church online code to North Point, Andy Stanley. Josh Saddington was leading the time, uh, the digital imprint of that. We passed our code to Stephen Furtick for Church Online. And so, you know, ultimately, if you look at the landscape of Church Online, of, of video streaming, of all the mega churches that are out there doing it, we were the first ones doing it. And, and we gave them their head start on getting started with those types of churches. Now, I might be in purgatory for doing that for a long time, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if it was the best thing to do, but we did it. Well, we'll see. <laughs> There's still time to tell on that. Uh, so, being in, so I'm fascinated by startups, and, and it's pretty cool to hear that you 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 were a part of something that's that's so large now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what so in part of like this is a go win conversation, and, and go win is about. What are the wins, defining those wins for you, then discovering what are those right things to be consistent, right? What What would you say that you learned early in those mm-hmm. days that you need to be consistent in to achieve, like you said, only one out of the six yeah. is no longer in existence. So that means that you all did some right things over and over again. What was, what would some of those things be? Yeah, I think we, we killed ideas really quick. Okay. So we were, we were able to say, here's a good idea. It meets a need. It solves a problem. Let's get it into production. And it didn't have to be perfect. So, so there was an element of getting things live as fast as possible in a, a, and this is before really agile as a methodology came about in our, this is our discipline. I'm speaking my language now. Um, and, and before we were really talking about what is a waterfall project? What is an agile project? Well, we were just getting stuff out there getting it out there as fast as we could. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't uh, the best code, but it worked. And then we knew that we could iterate on it. We could make it better. So we were really good at getting stuff out there and then killing it quick if it didn't Mm -hmm. do well. And then ultimately babblewith.me is the one that didn't survive. But the elements of that one, we learned a lot. We implemented a lot of that code into church online to do real time translation in the chat. So there's a chat room beside the live stream, and that opened up to people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so there'd be people uh, chatting in Arabic, and the Google uh, Translate API would translate that real time for us to communicate back to them. So we'd type back in English, it would translate to Arabic, and that was all learned in the babblewith.me project. Wow. And so I think being able to not only like launch stuff and, and kill it quickly, but also learn from it. And then the last thing I'll say is, and this one point we can talk about for, for hours, is really habitualizing ideation. Ideation is something that... Wait, can you explain habitualize? Like, yeah, you, you got to make... a five-year-old. Like, yeah, like, yeah. My, my, my thing is like, ultimately, as a five-year-old, you saw kids... kids my, I mean, my kids are eight, six, and three. And they are perfect example of somebody who habitualizes ideation. They have no bounds. They, they will spend hours drawing crazy stories. Mm, mm-hmm. My daughter gave me a picture the other day of a love monster. <laughs> it was a monster with a huge heart. And she said, it's a love monster. Oh, that is so awesome. And I'm like, we need more of that. Yeah. Like, we need to habitualize ideation because by habitualizing ideation, we get really good at it. Mm. And, and, if we get really good at 
creating ideas, then we're going to be able to identify the bad ones. Yeah. Or we're going to be able to identify the ones that we probably need to do a little bit more research on. And then ultimately hit home runs. Um, you know, it's a whole baseball analogy. Yeah. You got to be able to spend a lot of time in the box before you're getting good at hitting home runs. Yeah, that's good. And, and so um, in that also, I find that startups, you especially the stories I've heard, like I've never really built a technology company, but if you hear about Facebook and all these, these organizations and companies that start out, there was a lot of hours devoted, like throughout the week, people were spending long hours, right? Yeah. It, <laughs> True. Is, would you say that what would be a different approach to that versus saying you got to go out there and just live your life in it? Or is that the only Gosh. way that it can get done? That's a great question. Okay. During my time at Uversion, I uh, ended up moving out of the house I was living in. I lived with a house with like eight different guys. It was the craziest place um, into a tent five miles uh, out of town. I'd ride my bike to work at Uversion. I would shower there. And uh, <laughs> I think that was my response to the massive amount of work I was doing. And we were in it before anybody else realized what social media, distraction, uh -huh. Uh -huh. narcissism. We were like on the forefront of that. Yeah. The, the, listen, there, the job requirement to get this job said must have Twitter account. <laughs> when I read that, I immediately spun up a Twitter account and tweeted like 10 things. Oh my goodness. And so we were in that world yeah. and seeing the really the bad stuff that can come from that world way before anybody else was because we were working 60 to 70 hours a week. We were, um, on social media platforms all day long. Uh, we were, uh, doing those things and I'm like, man, I'm an INFP. I'm, I'm a creative connector. Like it was just too much. And so I went out and lived in a tent unplugged at night. And I said to my boss, I'm like, I'll work as many hours as you want me to work. But when I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm at the campsite. <laughs> you were seriously out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I knew about the tent life. Okay. 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 I went to Vimeo and watched some of the videos. Oh man. Good. Good. And so I, there was one time where the storm came. Oh yeah. Tell us about the storm. Like, <laughs> oh man. So there were so many times where I'd be curled up in a fetal position at the bottom of my tent thinking to myself, this is crazy. I need to get out of this. Uh -huh. Like, like uh, lightning could hit a tree, a tree could be blown over from the wind or the worst case scenario, a tornado can come ripping through here and I'm done. Yeah. And so those are the like real realities that I think that I, I, mean, I camped out before, but I don't know if I'd ever actually lived in it where you don't have really another choice. Your choice is to go sleep in your car. Uh -huh. And I only did that one time. Wow. How and, long were you living out there? Uh, it was six months. Six months, okay. So I did it one time, and that was because there was a tornado that hit. The sirens went off, and the tornadoes hit about a mile north okay. of, of my tent. And where were you at in Oklahoma? Were you in Oklahoma City? Oh, yeah, I was between um, Edmond and Oklahoma City, uh, between 122nd and... Um, uh, what's that? I guess this, the road right before that would be Britain. Okay. Um, I was in that area okay. uh, on Eastern there. There was a family that had some land that allowed me to uh, put a tent on that land. Wow. Yeah. Do, do you remember the day you, you decided, I'm going to go live in a tent? And what were you thinking? Like, Yeah. What? So 
there's a backstory behind it. I, in grad school, would work out in Colorado uh, doing whitewater rafting guiding. I was a waterfront coordinator and programs director at a camp. And so actually living in a tent for six months was was something that other people had done that I had worked with. Uh-huh. I mean, these are all like dirtbag, you know, transients that are just going season to season. And so it was not a new thing for me. I was like, I like my friend, you know, Jared did it. And then my friend Nathan did it his last year in college. And then my friend, you know, Clay did it. And so I was like, I can do it. It's no problem. So I actually got the tent from Nate, uh, who had just finished doing it for his senior season, senior year at, in school. And, uh, so I kind of had a template already uh-huh. and then it was just about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, what was, what were some takeaways from that time? Like what are some things that you learned then that has impacted your life today? You know, I'm still writing about, I think I'm still writing about everything I learned. And during that time, it has fueled most of my thoughts and writings in my forties. Right. I think or in my thirties and forties, like I think ultimately it was for six months and I was really disciplined to wake up in the morning and do my morning pages. Now, morning pages are, it's artist way deal where you take a journal and you just write for 10 minutes. Mm. You don't look at what you wrote after it. You just write. It's kind of stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had made the mistake of looking at that journal after I wrote. And I was like, <laughs> this is like the, literally the last night in tent life. I was like, I, if I die, I cannot have these journals come out. <laughs> so I burned them. I just burned them. I just threw them in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> was it just that was it just that dark I was, I, mean, I was engaged you know i was thinking like i don't want my future wife to read these these are dark these are dark oh my goodness uh, but but the the seeds that were during that time i'm, I'm still talking about mm-hmm. you know the idea that most of my startups that i'm, I'm working on projects that i'm working on have this really centered around responsible development uh responsible products how can we be responsible with the things that we build so that we are not building a distraction product? Um, I'm trying to focus on some, some physical stuff as well and not just digital things. Mm. And how can we, um, you know, one of the projects I'm working on is some daily prompts. Uh, it's, a, it's a journal type thing where you have two journals. You give one to another person and it's for seven days only and it talks about gratitude or hope or uh, peace or these things that you know maybe the Christian world has 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 used for a lot of their program, but I'm trying to write it in a way that is accessible to everyone because everyone needs grace. Everyone needs hope. Everyone needs peace in their lives. Everyone needs gratitude. And so again, you asked me, you know, what did I take away from that time? I'm still digging into that. There's just a huge mine of, of, of quality, um, thinking and just distraction free time. Like you just don't get time anymore like that. The silence where you're just sitting with your thoughts. Now it's helpful that I'm an INFP and I love living in the world of ideas of my own brain. Like that to me is like, give me that. Give me a a place where I can just sit in a hammock for hours at a time and think (laughs) that's, that's my paradise. You said that you would go to Colorado in the mountains. That's the kind of, those are the kind of individuals that I would see, do, you know, they just like to be free. Like, let's just think yeah. and have this serenity kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not for everyone. Yeah. I think no, that's the big thing. No, it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for my wife. She said to me when we got engaged, I got engaged during the time living in the tent. And I think she said something like, you know, um, I, 
I love your tent life stuff, but I'm not going to be a tent wife. Uh, Just know that when yeah. we uh, when we get married, it's yeah. I'm was like, she the one in the video? Did she drop you off or something? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. yep, yeah. That is that's super cool. Um, so, kind of talking about here's some things that you learned from that time. Mm-hmm. You've kind of dealt with this this uh, being in startups and technology yeah. and things of that nature. Um, what is it that people should understand about? So I, I, I really like this idea of thinking about branding versus always thinking about building the product. Mm-hmm. I think there's been some great branding in some of the organizations that you've mentioned, Sonic, version, things of that nature. Can you speak to like what are some right things that people should be consistent in or thinking about yeah. uh, in order to, to create a great brand? Yeah, when I think about brand, <clears throat> I think a lot about um, the core of that business. I don't think a lot about marks and logos and color palettes. Mm-hmm. I think all those things are a uh, are produced from that really strong core of why are we doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If we have a core of knowing why we're doing something and what we're doing, that allows us to then build on a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. And I think too many times brands you know, that don't have that solid footing may have the coolest mark or may have a great logo, but they don't survive. You know, I mean, you think about the Nike swoosh, right? I mean, it's kind of a terrible logo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you would put in, in, if you measure it by the measurements of today's standards. Yeah. 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 No, I get what you're saying. I yeah. mean, it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. It is awesome. Uh-huh. It has stood the test of time. And listen, when I was 16, 17 years old, I would sit on a pontoon boat at my friend's uncle's house. They had a little house by the lake in Iowa. And I would cut out Nike swooshes and I would, I would tape it to my chest so I'd get a, you know, a, a sunburn or sun yeah. like, so that, like they would be an inverted oh. sun tan yeah. of the Nike swoosh. Yeah. I was infatuated yeah. with that. And I, all yeah. my friends did it too. Yeah. I was not the only one in the boat doing yeah. that. And I think like ultimately why... Is that, is that because it was a great mark? Well, no, no, it, it's not a great mark. During that time, who were, who were the people they were talking about? They had Jordan. They had Bo. I mean, they had this incredible brand story. The what and the why was defined. And they were, as a brand, really carrying that message out. And the mark and logo was, was just an afterthought. Mm-hmm. But it was an afterthought that was readily available for people to pick up where be identified to that brand, to that what and the why, that vision of who Nike was. Yeah. I think that's when I, when I talk about branding with people, I, I talk a lot about that. You know, it is, it's not just your color scheme and your logo. It's do you know, you know what go in means? Mm-hmm. Does go in attach to something greater? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great brand. Yeah. Okay, how do we then take that core and make something that is beautiful or, or reproducible um, that kids can sketch those types yeah. of things that kind of comes after. Yeah, no, that's good. So thinking about that, talking about organization, what about now everybody's talking about personal brand? Yeah. Like what is, is that the same? Is that, is that still talking about who I am as a person? Where, where are you at with personal branding personal and, brand. and, and, and how do people approach that? How should they uh, in your, from your perspective? Everyone's going to have a brand. You know, everyone's going to have a brand. If, if you're on social media and you're trying to sell something, you're going to be digging into a brand. You're going to be having something that you do. Um, so I, I, I think about it a lot, and I, and I am very wary of personal brands if they aren't authentic. Mm. Because 
ultimately there was a time and place where Twitter, Instagram, influencers could live in this perception world. And there's still people that do a lot of that. They take beautiful photos of themselves. Um, I, I follow like pound van life. Uh, I have this dream about living in a van with my family. Not going to happen. My wife's not going to let it happen, <laughs> but I follow van life. Right. And a lot of these people are influencers that it just looks so romantic and so uh, yeah. beautiful yeah. and laid back and adventurous, all these buzzwords. But when you kind of read the stories of some of these people, you realize that person has a marketing degree. They're getting paid by all these people and they're setting up all these shots and editing them um, to look that way. Yeah. And so how, my question is, how do we build authentic brands that truly are who you are? And, and if you're not good at that, do you still have a place? Mm. Like I'm, I'm terrible at the personal brand. Like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I tried like, technology savvy enough to put stuff out there, but when I start tweeting, I'm like, you know, what? I, I don't know. I feel like I'm being real fake. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm also, I really know who I am. I'm, I'm a more in INFP, you know, and so I'm, I'm not going to be great at some of those social nuances that you have to be great at to build a personal brand on as an influencer. And so just knowing my role, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I deleted my Twitter account, um, in December of last year after my grandfather's funeral mainly because I heard stories from my grandfather's life that I never heard before. And it just was really irritating to me. And I was like, well, I'm deleting my, I mean, I had 1900 followers on, on at Deregger and, and I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And, and I'm, and I said, how can I do this in a way that makes sense to me and is authentic? So I started at begin the work six months later. And because it's more authentic, yeah. I'm actually talking about, those things that I'm, I'm skill set around digital product, beginning the work, all those things. It just makes more sense. And I don't have to, I don't have to be like, make stuff up for sure. I don't have to be like, yeah, look at me in my tent with uh -huh. my selfie stick, you know? Uh -huh. and, and that was the whole point of tent life is I was not going to do any of that. And so if somebody was going to move working at a startup and moving into a tent, you know, they're going to curate their Twitter feed, Instagram to be like, it's the best decision I've ever made. <laughs> Listen, after a rainstorm, there would be worms that would come up from the ground and then die underneath Listen, the tent. Man. Like Listen, it was disgusting. Oh, I can only imagine. I trust me. I'm not even thinking about it. Right. I'm done with it. Like, but today's you world. You didn't inspire me at all with that. Today's world. You know, somebody would have been posting only the like yeah. most oh, yes. beautiful yeah. stage yeah. shots of yeah. my tent. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not what it was. Uh-huh. It was stinky. Smell yeah. like campfire all the time. Yeah. And so I guess you can make that beautiful, but that's not what it was about. You know, going back to the, like, I think about, so I'll post this podcast on YouTube. And right now I got three cameras trying to get a shot of you, a shot of me and all that. Now, it, I'm not a video editor by any means, uh -huh. right? I could either say I'm not going to do it because I have seen how everybody else's look on YouTube or I'm going to do it. And hope whoever gravitates to it enjoys the fact that I just I'm just trying my best and yeah. I'm learning and and trying to uh, connect with people and I think so often because of the perfection that we can see on there it prevents us from wanting to post or, yeah. or be a part of it where for example like I post often about my red socks so I wear red socks every day I was gonna mention that I'll I, talk about it <laughs> I post it and so people are like dude why are you post like why not I like it that's what I want to do like what's the big deal like. 
and and now we have other people posting about them wearing red socks. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. Yeah, and I think that's where that fine line between being somebody who's a narcissistic, like trying to build their personal brand in a narcissistic way, yeah. or or somebody trying to build their brand in an authentic way. Yeah, and and like I'm not I'm not trying to like I mean you're doing it in an authentic way. Yeah, when you meet Hetty. And you talk to Hetty and, and you you understand who he is, the core of the what and the why yeah. of what drives you, the go win conversation. All of a sudden, you know, the red socks are coming into play and you're like, What's that? Yeah. It's the it's the Nike mark. Yeah. It's yeah. the thing that he's put on top of his personal authentic brand yep. to allow people to attach to it and have something to remember. Yeah. Now that that has a lot of authenticity and, and can take you very far. And I think that's when I think about personal brand is you always got to be asking yourself the question, why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. Does it align with my what and why? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, if I'm just doing it for likes, maybe I don't do it. Yeah, no, I don't think that's a likes kind of thing. No. no. It's not no. the same Red Sox. <laughs> it's not the same Red Sox by any means. Uh, uh, I... Um, uh, you have multiple pairs. Yes, I have multiple <laughs> pairs of red socks. Yes. So I just grab and go. But it kind of goes back to 2020. My word for the year is less. Mm-hmm. And so if I just have one bucket of red socks, I can just grab those socks and not have to think about, oh, my goodness, do I want to wear the polka dot ones? Do I want to wear the striped ones or whatever? So now it frees up my morning to have more of a morning routine. Yeah. So some it kind of goes back Love to that. some of that kind of that as well for me. But at the same time, I... Why not? I, I, why not post it every every day? It's, some people like why? And, it, and I like talking to people, so it, yeah, it gives it's this, a jumping in point. It's a jumping in point. Like, mm-hmm. ma'am, now why are you wearing the red socks? Every then people were like, oh, I thought it was something deeper than that. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Um, so you are an entrepreneur. It sounds like you like to start things. You have these mm-hmm. ideas and things mm-hmm. like that. Now I know you recently started a a coffee shop. Yeah, right. You open up a coffee shop. What what drives you to say, you know what, I'm going to go start something and, and, and start taking the steps to make it happen? Yeah, I'm, it's not a it's not a picture perfect storybook. I mean, it is a lot of, I think, false starts that got us to that point. We, we started a coffee shop, uh, shop in a coffee roastery in Salt Lake City when I lived in Salt Lake City working for a Alpha Dementia, which was a coffee equipment startup. And, um, we just started roasting, you know, and, and we bought an old toper roaster that was gas driven that caught on fire at least two times a week. And we had to, you know, had this fire extinguisher to blow it out. And it was just four guys kind of having fun on a roastery. <clears throat> the two guys before <clears throat> the two guys before that we bought the roaster, were just doing it on a, on a gas grill in their backyard. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a fun project. And all of a sudden we were making some of the best coffee in Salt Lake City and the only ones doing light roasted, medium roasted coffee. And then that grew to opening our first shop. And then ultimately some of us moved off from Salt Lake City, still maintained some ownership. And then new ownership came on to expand the bottling program to get their retail in place. And now you're sitting here six, you know, six, seven years later, eight years later, and we've got two shops. We used to have five. We shut the ones down that weren't making money and just focused on two that were. And it's fantastic. So then when I moved to Oklahoma City, I wanted to see how could we do that in a different way, learning from La Barba uh, Coffee and uh, a tea forward concept. And so it just started as wholesale and tea. 
and I didn't really want to do retail. I didn't want to do brick and mortar. Just wanted to wholesale tea, do e-commerce. And then opportunity came up to open up in that space. And we did it. And I cried for about 12 months. Like, why did I just do this? <laughs> like, I mean, entrepreneurship is like, the, it is, oh it is hard. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're getting money from investors and you're, you're saying this might not pay you back yeah. for 10 years if, and it might fail in one. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I think there's a lot of responsibility. So I think the what and the why I always go back to, we wanted to build a space that not only uh, identified the supply chain in a different way, but then also had a community element in and close to where we live. Yeah. So for the what and why for us, you know, it's stewardship, it's responsibility. It is, we wanted a, a space that was quiet. So there's nothing on the walls at Woodshed, mainly because we're attached to Blue 7, which has stuff on the walls from the floor to ceiling. Oh, yeah. And so we wanted a more Scandinavian feel, a quiet space, a silent space, a space that you did not have to be looking at the wall and, and trying to figure out what was on the wall, that you could be focused on what you were there to do, whether that was a conversation or work. Oh, wow. And so those things kind of came into the element of, of why we built the space and, and why we built it the way we did. But um, I don't know. I ask myself all the time why I built it and why we started it because, you know, we're in year two and it, it's... It's not perfect and it's, yeah. but it, we've got great people, yeah. incredible baristas yeah. that love the space and love their coworkers. And, yeah. and I think that is just what gives you energy to say, let's make this work. I love the space. Like it's, it's, it's nice. Like I can feel what you're saying. Like when I go in, I get that sense of what you just communicated to me. So, uh, way to go. Definitely on just the layout and everything. Yeah. And, and the Americana is great. That's what I always get when I go in. So now do you uh, get the, the 12 ounce or do you get the eight ounce? I get the 12 ounce. Okay. Next time go get this short Americano. Okay. And what that's going to do is going to level up your, the view of your, you by the barista. The barista okay. is going to be like, okay, he's running in a short. Oh, Americano. okay. Oh, he, he knows what he's he doing. Knows it. He knows it. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah. I'll go in and order a short. Short now, Americano. A short Americano. Yeah. That's okay. It. Okay. I'll do that. Now, have you been a Hoboken here in Guthrie? Oh, American? man, I love Hoboken. Okay. Oh, Trey. Yeah. And they, they do our tea. They uh, they buy our tea and, and our, our matcha and our ruby biscuits. And so Trey is just doing unbelievable. And Mallory do an unbelievable job with Hoboken. Yeah. Hoboken is kind of like shining light. I think when you looked at coffee industry in Oklahoma City, they're the ones who've been doing it the longest, have, you know, have had the right mindset. The what and the why is there. And they're just stellar. We love yeah. them. So thinking about all the things that you're involved with, let's, let's talk about routines. Yeah. Uh, what kind of routines do you have in your life in order to manage all of this? Like, what, what, do you yeah. have a morning routine? Do you have an afternoon, gosh. nighttime? What does it look like? Are you using some apps, some tools? Yeah. Do you have any of that? I have a, an unbelievable wife who is just there and present and with our kids and and so that's the first thing is sure. you know the partnership that I have with Candace from a parenting standpoint and from a you know you go dream you go build standpoint has been phenomenal and I think I've probably taken advantage of that in the past when I worked at Sonic there was a lot of 60 hour weeks and uh, and and that was really rough and I think what we've tried to do over the last 2 years is normalize some routines so our routines are probably, um, we do breakfast together. And okay. so two eggs and toast is kind of my staple. 
And that's what I have for breakfast. And the girls go from, you know, eggs and toast with dad to oatmeal to, you know, uh, whatever, parfait, some yogurt. Uh, today we did French toast. Okay. We had an old baguette. So we did. So that's one of our big routines. Now that gets me in trouble because sometimes then I have to rush to get out the door and I try and drop them off at school. But, uh, and, and that's the other routine is I try and drop them off at school. Okay. I try and do that. Um, most days now. Candace is going to hear this and be like, well, this past week, you have not done that. You had a meeting on Friday sorry, early sorry, with Candace, Hetty. Sorry, Candace. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. And then the routine that we've tried to set over the last two years is if I can be home for dinner, I try to be home for dinner. And, and that means our kids eat early. So it means 530. I'm trying to be home. I'm trying to rush to get home, be there, eat dinner together. And I'm doing a lot better job of that in the past. And then. You know, you've got kids, man, our kids, I've got to wrestle them to do chores. Yeah. The next hour is basically yeah. chores, showers, yeah. PJs, reading, homework. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, we're in it and, and I'm, I'm still trying to like survive. So there's some days I'm in bed by eight 30 yes. and I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Um, and so routines are really hard with family, but I think what we've tried to do is say, let's get routines in our family life. And then all your creative stuff has to happen on the edges and margins. Mm. That's good. So, you know, apps that I use, I'm a huge user of Evernote. I'm a huge user of Dropbox Paper, Dropbox. Do you like Dropbox Paper? I, I do. I tried it early and I, I haven't went back to it. I do. And I don't know it? why. Sell, sell me on it. I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's awesome, but it works for me. I was reading a book the other night about this old program that this writer for the New Yorker used to use. And he like... To the point of him going, they shut down the product. I mean, they said, we're done supporting this product. He went to the person who developed its house and ultimately asked him to like give him one more update. And then a year later, one more update. And so this happened like, cause it was the worst program ever, but it worked for his, Uh that's what Dropbox paper is, man. (laughs) It just works. It's where I, it's where I download all my writing Uh uh, thoughts. Evernote's where I take all of my notes for work. So that's more tactical. Okay. Writing down notes. I take my iPad um, and, and, I, and I hand write notes on, on Evernote. Um, and then Dropbox Paper again is, is where I do my writing. Um, those two, you know, if you're starting to talk about real nitty gritty product management stuff, um, I'm, I'm a, I can use any of those tools. Basecamp, Jira, all, all those things I've used in Trello. Those are great for managing projects and products, but ultimately that's just when I'm in it. And I'm actually not in a phase right now where I'm using some of those tools. Okay. Yeah. Have you used Asana? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Asana. I use that for my personal. Yeah. Managing my podcast. Yeah. Who's next and all that kind of stuff. And so I like it because you can have a list or you can have a board. Yes. So I like the combination of we both because I like boards for like, how I manage my podcast, who's coming next, scheduled, edited, posted. So I use boards for that. And then, but I love to do apps. And yeah. I've used them all. I was going to open up my app. I'm like, let's really talk about what am I? Yeah. What, am I, what do I use all the time? What are you using all hey, the time? What's on your, what's I'm gonna, on your home screen? You know, I will say on my home screen, on the first is just one folder and it says produce. Oh, and then on the next page it has all the other stuff with a folder that says consume. So I try and hide my consumption yeah. apps, and on my front page and same on my phone is I just have production apps. And so in my production apps, Dropbox, Paper, Medium, Code Editor for Coda, um, yeah, Envision, 
and then paper. So I use paper a lot. Paper by 53. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. I use that as like my mind dump place. I use Notability. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, it just works for me. I don't know why. I wish yeah. I could just use one app. I wish I could just commit to Evernote. I wish but I, I could just use one app. You and I, we need to just do coffee more. We just need to hang out. I think we have a lot of similarity. So, what, uh, yeah, so my, so do you use, so for your podcast, what do you use? So my podcast, I just, uh, I, I just download it into GarageBand. And I know there's apps out there. My brother does horror podcasts and audio. He does. He's an audiobook narrator. He lives in L.A., and so he does all these different things. And I just ended up just going with GarageBand because. But what what uh, shoots it out to everything? So I oh oh I then just I code. So of course, of like course I, 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 I just, I literally, Hedy, Hedy, I don't even know what you're talking about. I code. Oh, I get it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for his. <laughs> I actually was trying to use some other stuff, and I was trying to use all this free stuff. Oh, and I goodness. said to, I said to my brother, I was like, "Well, isn't this just an XML file that I can just put out and feed it to all these places?" He's like, "Well, yeah." And I'm like, "Well, I'll just do that." And he's like, "You're an idiot." I, <laughs> I don't, even, I don't even know why you're doing. I that. use Anchor. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so that's that's what I wish Spotify just recently bought bought Anchor. Uh, what do you what email app do you use? Do you I use, the I Apple? use no. I use you know I'm crushed. I used Inbox like by, oh yeah by Google yeah, yeah yeah crushed when they close yes. that down yeah. So I use Gmail app right oh, now. I can't use Gmail. I know. I cannot use. So I use Spark. Okay. Yeah, Spark. I mean, and I, I'm almost back to Apple Mail. Like I have these mo. I can't. It's the worst, man. I just wish I'm like you. I wish I could just use one thing and not ever switch. Well, for work, I gotta use the Microsoft Suite, which is. Oh. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's awful, right? Yeah. So and like, <laughs> I can't even. I don't do you, do, do you have a uh, email uh, list? I've started one. Um, I use Mailchimp for that, and okay. then I use for one of my projects. I'm using Button Down, which is it's a lot slimmer than Mailchimp and a little more of a just collecting and and uh, I'm using that for begin the work. Yeah. So Button Down, and it's a newer app. Um, I liked it because it was super slim, and then I use Mailchimp for Witched, right? Okay. For for and that and you should Mailchimp is something you should use yeah. for something that's actually going that has a good CRM feed yeah. and does all that. Yeah, so I I use Mailchimp, but recently started trying to use Squarespace. Squarespace has its own yeah. mail client now. Yeah, I guess I don't even know what you call it, but yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to use that because I can write my blog post or whatever, and then just shoot it straight out of yeah out of Squarespace. But again, I probably should just keep using Mailchimp and quit messing around. I use uh, Medium for my blog now, so I, I I do use Medium for my blog. I was going to ask you about that. So. I almost feel like I don't hear about Medium as much anymore. Maybe it's just the circles I'm in or whatever. Yeah. But for a long time, I again, I tried to use Medium. Yeah. I like Medium for some reason. Are you paying? Do they still charge you five bucks or something? They do, help? and you get paid if you're, you know, writing gets claps. Like yeah. literally, like yesterday, my uh, the bank kind of notified me that I had a three cent deposit. And I was like, what's that from? It's from Medium. That's from my claps. I was like, Candace, I made three cents today. How many claps did you have to get to get three cents? You have to get so many. I mean, I'm at like, I don't even know. At some point, if your stuff goes viral, you could make a hundred bucks. I feel like you got to have so many. But YouTube, yeah. if you're out there, hey, go to medium.com at DeRager. Give me some claps. At DeRager, give me some claps. <laughs> 
that's good. What, so what? Uh, so are you a Spotify guy? No, no, no. I'm still I'm still stuck in iTunes. We got a we got a HomePod. Um, we've we've we're in that entire ecosystem. I love them for their privacy, kind of how they think about privacy. So oh, Apple, Apple. Uh-huh. So I didn't want an Amazon uh, in my house or a Google. We we did a lot of work on it at Sonic. We were doing some voice UX projects in which I had to get ingrained into all that and understand. Was that, was that because of Gary? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was we. It was actually kind of cool. We were trying to figure out ways in which to, and and I think it's progressed a little bit. Start kicking off your order really quickly from uh, audio, and so how do we integrate with Siri, Amazon to say, hey, uh, hey Siri, I'm about to go to Sonic. Order me a double cheeseburger. Uh huh. One option is Sonic Drive-in on South Division Street. Does that one sound good? There, there you go. Can you order the food from it? <clears throat> no, but the hope was oh. <laughs> that once you did that, we would have the app integration with Siri, and Siri would say, would you like me to place that order at this local one? And you would say yes, and it would automatically push it in to the system. And so that stuff's really fascinating to me, yeah. And but I, I still align on, on Apple with from a privacy in my house. That's what I want. And so I'm still in iTunes. That was a long answer. So when you say Spotify. iTunes, are you meaning Apple Music? Or is yeah, iTunes, like uh, yeah, Apple Music. Yeah, okay, I guess I they, say, changed do, it. they changed Apple yeah, Music. Yeah, I was going to say, do iTunes still exist? So yeah. uh, talking about, oh, my goodness. Oh, I just lost it. I was going to ask you something. Now, listen, last night, uh, one of my daughters uh, laid down for me on the couch, and I kicked my wife and the other kids out to her bedroom, to, uh, well, our bedroom to read. And... Uh, I and me and my daughter sat on the couch and just listened to music. Where I'm like, boys to men, water runs dry. Oh man, you like, were schooling her. <laughs> yeah, like we went back to, uh, we went back to the backdraft soundtrack uh-huh. and and listened to some Bruce Hornsby and the Range. And I was like, this is ballads. We're gonna listen to ballads tonight. <laughs> and so it was just was she hey, into it. Oh, she was into it. She ultimately fell asleep. I was just like, hey Siri, play this. Hey Siri, play that. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm. Never mind, Siri. Siri's gonna be like he's all over today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. that's good. Um, so thinking about voice, yep. right? Do you think that's like what do you think voice in the next what? This is gonna be, hey, whatever, buy me. If I'm if I'm projecting out on what I think the next big thing is, I think you have to be investing in voice. The problem with voice is it's still not very good. Uh, Siri was having a real problem with french fries when we were trying to do this work at sonic and it could not understand french fries or tater tots i see and so there's there's so much what you what i think is lost in the mix is the amount of work that it's going to take to get voice actually working everybody talks about ai everybody talks about voice everybody talks about blockchain all those things are really interesting and fun but at the end of the day it's an algorithm on ai side blockchain is just a ledger uh, that allows different things to fall into place um, in real time instead of doing batch um, and, and syncing. And so, you know, we, we've got these buzzwords that people utilize to get a lot of money, but ultimately it's just using the technology that we already have that we've been using for 10 years, but just making it better. So AI and voice are really cool, but it takes a lot of manpower to get it working. It takes a lot of entry. So I got to, when I say French fries, just think about localization of that. Now I got to take that in Spanish. I got to take that in any other language that I'm wanting to utilize. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to go international, then there's all these others. One of the things that we worked on at Uversion going all the way back is I feel like we were some of the only ones doing 
full localization of the Bible app. Yeah. I mean, we were pumping out languages, not only in, in, in the Bible, in different languages, but the actual app was translated into all these different languages. And most people don't realize that that work is, you, you're working with translators to get all of your buttons translated. And there are uh, automated ways to do it, but a lot of times it's not right. It's not mm-hmm. the right word. Mm-hmm. And so you really need to talk to a native speaker to get those things done. So localization is huge. Voice is huge. AI. I mean, I think if you're thinking about if then, if that, then this, those yeah. types of algorithms are really important to get to automation. Um, but it's going to take time. It's going to take people. For sure. For sure. Next five years for Oklahoma. What does the next five years look like for us here? Next five years for Oklahoma, we have to figure out how we bring young Oklahomans back. We have to figure out the funding gap between uh, entrepreneurs in multiple technology spaces, not just oil and gas. We need to get our investors to stop just investing in real estate um, or other plays outside of Oklahoma. They're going to New York or L.A. or uh, Austin or Kansas City. We need to get them to start seeing the ecosystem here that needs to be built. And so ultimately, that has to be the next five years. If we're going to get off our dependency of oil and gas um, as an industry, we really need to bring more consumer products, digitally led products, technical products within uh, Oklahoma City. Because if we bring more of those startups into the ecosystem, $50,000 investments, $100,000 investments, you know, all then round one is going to be $1.5 million. Um, those teams are going to bring in people. Those people are going to get restless and because a lot of them are creatives and they're going to start their own businesses. And so 10 years from now, if we invest in the next five, you're going to see a lot more opportunities to invest in really high growth companies. Uh, there's legislation out this year to get um, tax credits for that, that match uh, investment in oil and gas in high growth startups. And so that's, that's a big win for our investment community mm-hmm. to try and make some of those breaks, give them a, a, a way in which to invest that's not as high risk as maybe they think it is. But it's going to take a few people to say, you know, I believe in Oklahoma City, I believe in Oklahoma, and we're going to invest here, and we're going to lose money for 10 years before we make it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the marathon. People always talk about moving together. I'm like, if you can play the marathon game, come on. You know, because yeah. it's not going to happen overnight. It's not a sprint by any measure. But uh, if you can play the marathon game, come on, come invest in Guthrie and build something great. So, uh, and I think that goes along the lines with what you're saying with Oklahoma in general. Like, I feel like technology would be great for the small community. Like, we can get a couple of small tech tech companies yeah. here uh, who would walk downtown, bring in, go buy lunch, go get Hoboken, yep, and just do life in this town and just build something great. Uh, I think we could we we could see some amazing things happen and i think we we will yeah you know and so uh yeah i'll cool. go back home and i'll be like what about guthrie yeah guthrie yeah Candace. you need a guthrie url <laughs> we just need to move to guthrie <laughs> you need a guthrie domain we get you a building you got plenty of ideas in you uh, so i'm part of uh made possible by do you know mike zerden yeah so made possible by so we're really excited about trying to trying to build that out. Been, he's been working on it hard for a number of years. Yeah, he has. just recently came on board. and So I'm excited about that and, and kind of really using that to push the story of people doing good to inspire others. One of the things working with, uh, we were in a meeting with Stillwater and they had some companies, a company looking at Stillwater and they asked the question, who else is doing good in your community? Because we don't want to come and, and be in this city and now everybody's coming to us because we're the ones giving back to our community. And so there, there was no platform to be able to point to, like, here are the people doing good in our community in one place. Maybe you can go, sh- go scroll down somebody's Facebook mm-hmm. or something like that. But we want to be that platform to where 
uh, we are really telling the story of people doing good. I think that's what is needed. More stories, right? More stories about what uh, is happening in these communities, what these businesses are doing. Yeah. And I think the more that we can create that ecosystem, the, those stories get out and, and we can say, you know, that investment needs to stay here. Don't get your second round of funding and move to Austin. Get your funding here and mm-hmm. stay in Oklahoma City and build out your infrastructure here. Tailwind is doing a great job of that, I think. There's, yeah. there's some there's some hope. I mean, I yeah. think there's some companies in town that are really doing some cool things, and ultimately there might be in areas that people are, you know, investors are just not, they don't understand it. Yeah. And, and so there needs to be some education. For sure. So hopefully that happens as well. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. I appreciate this. You had a lot. Uh, and you, yeah, yeah, you had a lot in you. you. I can feel like we should have a part two. Okay. We should sit down and have a part two because we didn't talk really. We didn't go in depth with coffee and tea. Oh, you know? we could go Yes, yeah, I the feel depths. like that could be its, its own podcast, like yeah. just talking about coffee I and tea. I think you could do a, a podcast on how do you manage side projects in the margins? Like yeah. where do you find that time and how do you discipline yourself? Like yeah. you ask that question, I'm like, oh, man, like I find stuff in the margins. Like when I fly – I get stuff done. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. when I'm on that plane, yeah. I get stuff done and I, I'm not somebody who's just going to be, you know, watching a movie. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't watch much TV during the week. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and when football season's over, I think after my Niners, man, my Niners just, I'm not going to talk about it. But, yeah. Don't, <laughs> you know, but, that's the reason I try to walk everywhere. Cause I can, I can literally yeah. type on my phone while walking and, and try to get stuff done as well. And so, I when I have to get in the car, I'm like, oh, do I really have to go drive to? Yeah. You know? So, uh, but then you then you listen to podcasts and you're learning. Yeah, podcasts, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that the blow up of long form communication, long form podcasts, you know, where you could take a podcast 90 minutes and people don't really bat an eye anymore. No. Yeah. And uh, it has to be good content. Yeah. But ultimately, if you can go, go because yeah. people are going to listen. Yeah. People will take a couple of rides to get through a podcast. I yeah. know I do. Yeah. You know, and so uh, so that's good, man. So I appreciate. Uh, you uh, been willing to come together, America, and spend time with me for this go win conversation, and I hope that we have more of them and and and, and collab on different projects to help people uh, go win. So thank you so much. Thank you, Hedy. Appreciate it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for hitting that play button, and as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, go win.